Cartoons, the animated frontier. These are the voyages of the Cellcast podcast. It's continuing mission to explore strange new cartoons, to seek out new animation styles and new creative storytelling methods, to boldly go where so few ever go again. Welcome to another episode of The Cellcast. Joining me today is a man who I've taken hostage so that he can escape the fascists, Jacob. Well, thanks, I guess. <laughs> Why, thank you. I'd like to introduce our co-host, a man who is just looking for a bounty. Welcome, Drew. How are you doing, Jacob? Man, I'm doing pigtacular. How about you? <laughs> I don't know. I've been feeling like pork lately. Yeah. I like pig. Yeah, bacon. Bacon, yes. Yeah. Who doesn't like bacon? Everything wrapped in bacon. Everything wrapped in bacon. Including bacon. <gasps> anyway. <laughs> That's just a little too much bacon. Uh, what have you been watching? We'll just go ahead and jump right into this. Oh, wow. What have I been watching? That, that is Outside a- of us both watching Lensman the other okay. night over at Chase's. All right. So, let me get into my letterbox, which uh, both me and Drew are mm-hmm. uh, members of. And that's where we do a hundred, uh, 100 Movie Challenge. Yes, although if there is a 2021, I don't think I'll be participating. Yeah, because that, that's this that, has become that's so th- much of a challenge. Here in the last month and a half, when I still have over 20, ep- 20 movies to watch, mm-hmm. <laughs> this has become more work than fun, so... Right. Alright, so what have I been watching? Alright, so starting, I believe it was... Friday, mm-hmm. Friday. I was supposed to go watch another film with a with a uh, friend from church. She had to bail at the last minute because she had uh, family issues come up. Right. So I decided because I had bought this movie probably like a month month prior. Was Gone with the Wind, mm-hmm. second oldest film I've ever seen, and it's three and a half hours and amazing storytelling. I know. Some people might say, "Well, it talks about racism, the Civil War, and all the all this stuff." And it's like, e- yes, and also that's historically accurate. Mm-hmm. You're like, yeah, we don't wipe away history just because we don't like it. True, we learn from history. And uh, me being an amateur historian uh, who just nerds out about history, yeah, that's something we need to learn and keep learning. And before otherwise, we're doomed to repeat it if we don't. True. Do we really need another Adolf Hitler? No, we don't. We don't need another Mussolini. We do not need another Stalin. Interesting you bring up Mussolini. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The villain of this movie as far as I'm concerned today. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, I watched that. And then on Saturday, I go to uh, that place that shall not be named. Just say Walmart. Okay, Wally World. <laughs> okay, I went to Wally World. Now, Wally World is where Jack... Griswold took his fa- tried to take his family to in California, and it was closed. Okay, Walmart, fake Walt Disney at a uh, Six Flags Magic Kingdom. Anyway, Magic okay. Kingdom, Magic Mountain. Either way, close enough. Moving either, on. Continue. Either way, so I I walk in there to go buy blue jeans, and then you get the sense to be like this place is packed at like almost ten o'clock in the morning. I'm like what in the world's going on? 
So I made my way, weaving in and out, go to the jeans aisle. And sure enough, there are Black Friday sales all over the place. I'm like, let me go check. So sure enough, the Black Friday movie sales are on. Mm -hmm. And anybody who knows me, Black Friday is when I stock up on movies. Yes. So let me get to the movies. Oh, yes. I did say that wrong. It was Clark Griswold, not Jack Griswold. Uh, Never mind. No. You're good. All right. So I did pick up a relatively large stack of films. And I'll list them up here. Uh, Fast and Furious, Hobbs and Shaw. Uh, the Jumanji sequels, I guess you call them the uh, the two new ones. The two new ones, yes, right. Uh, Bad Boys for Life, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Trolls One, Trolls Two, Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Good Hotel, Hotel Transylvania Three. Uh, You'll need that for next year. Yes, Abominable and Smallfoot. Okay, yeah. I saw a few of those. And be and like, Ooh, how those- many of those did you watch that night? Let me get to that. <laughs> All right. So, after coming home, I watched uh, Fast and Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw. Very good action movie. It's got some heart behind it. I really enjoyed the very end of it. Mm-hmm. Like, if you've seen a Fast and Furious movie more recently, it's all about family. This one is no exception. Uh, and then I watched Trolls from 2013, 2016. I put myself through that earlier this year. Uh, <laughs> I found it very... It was interesting. Uh, atypical part for the course. and You know, kids movie. That's It wasn't bad. No, it's it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. Not something I would want to sit through again unless we were reviewing it. Right. And then I watched... I still haven't watched World Tour yet. Yeah, World Tour was interesting. It's got this nice little twist the, like in the middle of it. And uh, if you know anything about music, it makes sense. So you're saying I'll see the end of this movie a mile away. Maybe. Can I already guess it? Maybe. I'm just going to leave it at that because it's been so long since I saw a trailer. Pre-COVID was the last time I saw a trailer. Oh, okay. Literally, I yeah. think when we were sitting in the theater for Onward is the last time yes. I saw the trailer. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, all I could say about it is uh, one string to rule them all. <laughs> one string to find them. One string to bring them all and in the darkness bind them. In the land of rock where the shadow lies. <laughs> <laughs> you went there. You had to go there. But they're bravo, man. Bravo. And obviously, we watched Lensman. Yes. And then uh, I can a say... A Star Wars ripoff that's not based off a Star Wars ripoff. No, but it's, it's fairly good. It's a fairly, fairly good movie. Yeah, it, it's it's based on so an, old, an old, old science fiction story, but the they very loosely adapted it and turned it into a Star Wars ripoff. Yeah. And then obviously, I'll watch Puerto Rico. Por- Porco, Porco Rosso. Por- Porco Rosso. Don't try to say that word three times fast. It's Italian. It's two words. Yeah. Porco Rosso. Yes. <laughs> two words. There. Either way, that is all I have been watching. What have you been watching? Well, after I watched Porco Rosso the other night, I threw in another little uh, movie I had been wanting to see for a while that I had bought back in the summer 
but then didn't get a chance to watch it. If you remember, I talked back in the summer about watching a movie called Whispers of the Heart. Yeah. And I mentioned that, I, I don't remember if I mentioned it, but in that movie, there was a character of this kind of figurine that this girl's imagination, that when the girl was imagining stuff, it would, it came to life and did stuff. Yeah. Right. That cat, that cat was named, was known, is known as the Baron. Oh, okay. And the Baron, uh, was apparently the character who was the standout that one. So they gave him his own movie. Oh, okay. Called The Cat Returns. Yeah. That was just the most fun movie I think I've watched in a long time. Oh, wow. Let me put it this way. You've got um, Anne Hathaway. Yeah. Uh, Carrie Elways. Yes. Uh, Peter Ball. Mm-hmm. You know who that is? Uh, remind me. He's uh, the father in Everybody Loves Raymond. That's right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And he played the monster in Franken- Young Frankenstein. Okay. You've got these three people bouncing off of each other. <laughs> and yeah, they're still adapting the actual show, the actual story. But there's it's just the way all these people... Oh, and you've got Tim Curry as the villain. Oh, sweet. I Playing watch a now. fat cat. Oh, I want to watch this now. <laughs> oh, it is so much fun. It was just a fun movie. It's not one of those that was trying to push a story, push a moral. It was just... Other than be yourself is what it comes down to. But it's just such a fun little story. And I enjoyed the ever-loving fool out of it. Okay. Uh, Also, what else did I watch? I put some stuff on Letterboxd this week. Mm -hmm. All right. So I also watched a weird little movie called A Babysitter's Guide to Monster Hunting. I noticed that. This I can best describe as... It should have been a Disney Channel original movie. <laughs> it's okay. got about that level of writing, but Netflix is the one that put it out. It was. It's just a fun little romp. It's nothing to uh, write home about. It's just a fun little movie, and okay, you know, it, about five seconds into the movie, you know what's going to happen. Okay, so there's that, and then. Beside, other than that, that's all I've really had a chance to watch. Okay, so I did have. Um, interestingly enough, I had ordered a few things from Amazon. So if you notice in the background, there's a little pickup. Or not a pickup, but a. a uh, that's not a pickup. <laughs> I can tell by looking that that's not a pickup. Yeah. It's a truck. <laughs> Or well, it's I wasn't more, go, more meaning like semi, that either. More, more like a semi truck disguised as a robot. <laughs> yes, or, or disguised as a robot. Well, yes, I, it, I'm dyslexic. Give me a minute. <laughs> so from Amazon Prime, you bought Optimus Prime. Prime. Yes, I bought Optimus Prime. Primeception. Prime. Yeah, exactly. Primeception. <laughs> All right, and so you can see behind or standing in front of Scooby. I bought the movie Coraline, and. Obviously, I had that on digital. That's the way I watched it for the mm-hmm. review. So but I, you finally found a Blu-ray of it. I finally found a Blu-ray of it. And this is actually a Canadian version of it, so it'll play on Region 1. Which is A, actually. Region A. Because Blu-ray is A, B, and C, while okay. DVD goes 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. Okay. That's where I got confused. I know. I don't know why I know all this. Yeah. So, uh, like, very odd story when it comes to that. So years ago, before I knew regions and everything, mm-hmm. so I purchased um, 
A Nightmare Before Christmas on Blu-ray. Yeah. And I was like, oh, heck yeah. It came in. I looked at it, tried to play it. didn't work. I was like, what the world's going on? It's so region it locked. Yeah, it's region locked. I was like, I hate region it, locking. It was, it, was a, it was a European. It was, mm-hmm. a, it was a European region. I can't remember. What is that? B or C? B. B. I don't remember where C is. Yeah. I know I know Japan and North America are A. Oh, okay. I believe Europe is B. I don't remember who C is. Okay. But either way, I bought it, and I think I still have it in a box somewhere. I never returned it. Well, that was smart. Yeah. Oh, well. You live and learn. But, yeah, that's all I've been watching purchasing. So. All right. So what do we got in the news? All right. So we got quite a bit in the news. All right. So in the news. And these two, actually, I really enjoyed because these are two... One is from my childhood. One is from when I graduated high school, and they're coming out with a live action version of this movie. Ugh. Okay. So Disney television animation is in the early development stages for a reboot of the 1990s iconic uh, cartoon Darkwing Duck for Disney Plus. Yes, I am looking forward to that. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So let's get dangerous with this one. Indeed. Uh. Uh. Uh, it's being produced by Seth Rogen and Evan going through uh, going through their uh, Point Grey Pictures studio. Uh, the deadline deadline the uh, mm-hmm. the news organization, what have you, uh, confirmed the project after an inter- interview from Variety Variety magazine. All right, so. In that same article, I posted this on the uh, the Facebook page, so you guys go so we'll read it there. Uh, in other Mouse House news, director John John O. Chu from Crazy Rich Asians upcoming uh, upcoming in the Heights is in talks to direct uh, the streaming live action hybrid adaptation of Lilo and Stitch. Can't actually say I'm excited. <laughs> I know you're excited because it's Lilo and Stitch. Yes. The fact that they're doing it hybrid, or that they're advertising hybrid, worries yeah. me. Mm-hmm. Admittedly, you have to do it hybrid yeah. in order to do a live action thing. Yeah. Because there's no way you're going to have a guy in a suit playing Stitch. That would just not look, look right yeah, at all. But they'll there's pro- still they'll a, probably do a motion cap. Some, some more than likely. But there's still a part of it that goes... Not another one of these <laughs> hybrid things where we're going to have a cartoon character be on the screen. It's like, now here's the thing. Mm-hmm. This is probably not going to be any worse than any time Groot has been in Guardians of the Galaxy. It probably will not be any worse than that, and I won't care. But it's the idea of saying, oh, this is a hybrid production. It makes me go, uh. It's like Alvin. They're like Alvin like and the, the Chipmunks, Chipmunks, the Smurfs, Scooby Doo, which I know you liked Scooby Doo, right. but let's face it, there's a reason that just rubs me the wrong way. I got you. Um, he didn't get his Scooby snack, apparently. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just going to throw this out there. The only people who've done the hybrid production correctly. Was who framed Roger Rabbit? Agreed. All I'm gonna say. Agreed. And so it's when I see things like 
this is going to be a hyper production. I mean, they go, ooh, this could be bad. <laughs> good. But could be you good. Know, you never know. But it could be bad. It could be really bad. Okay, so going from some good news, it depends on the way you look at it, to more saddening news that uh, Ken uh, Spears, best known for bringing global beloved Scooby-Doo dog to screen. Scooby-Doo. I almost said Scooby-Doo dog. And I was like, what the world? <laughs> the Scooby-Doo dog. The Scooby-Doo dog. Yo. Uh, the Scream has died at 86 just months after the passing of co-creator and Ruby Spears production co-founder uh, Joe uh, Rudy passed away. Mm-hmm. The animation, animation director died November 6th on Friday of complications of of a disease his uh, son told Variety. Right. And so that's... You know, like we're losing more and more because obviously because I mean age is a thing. Yeah, age is a thing. We're we're not we're not uh, we're not guaranteed a tomorrow. We're not guaranteed True. immortality like you know fantasy wants to tell us, but we're not. And so eventually we will all pass away. Just if you know where you're going. Indeed. All right. So in a little more happy news, mm-hmm. a little more happy news. Um. Uh, can you guess what movie premiered today? Uh, so several, several the Star Wars Holiday Special. Minus that one. This was probably about 30 The years. Lego Star Wars Holiday Special, which did come out today. It did. <laughs> you got me on that one. But no, a movie that came out, well, probably about the late 80s. The Star Wars Holiday Special. <laughs> You and the Star Wars special. <laughs> no, the Little Mermaid premiered. Ah, November, yes, I didn't see this. Yeah, November November seventh, nineteen eighty nine, in theaters, and as the the headline said, uh, it, came, it became part of our world. And Indeed. so I, I I thought that was a very interesting little tidbit. I was like, okay, cool. And so our last little bit of news. Now, granted, I I saw the clip to this part of the episode. But it wasn't an official clip, so I did not put it on our Facebook page. Mm-hmm. So if you want to go check it out, you're more than welcome to. I, we just I I felt didn't feel right with not putting official uh, likes and stuff on for viewing. Mm-hmm. But apparently, the 1990s cartoon character known as Freakazoid, yes, apparently made a recent cameo on Teen Titans Go. Interesting. Yeah. I, I watched the clip and I was like, no wonder I don't like Teen Titans Go. <laughs> and I was like, okay. My understanding is the show's not really that bad. Yeah. It's, you it's just got to get into its groove. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you. It's just every clip I see, it's just like, really? This is really lowbrow, people. <laughs> but either way. You're not I, a comedy fan either. No, so. I'm not. I'm not a comedy fan. To an extent, to an extent, comedy fan, but well, yeah, there's no story you don't care. Exactly, exactly. So apparently, Freakazoid from '90s cartoon fame made a small cameo in Teen Titans Go. All right. So that's all we have in the news. No, it's not. You missed something. What did I miss? You missed the fact that there's a Tom and Jerry movie coming out. I did. I saw. I saw a bit of a trailer, but I never. Yeah. Him. I saw the trailer. It's kind of got that. The the. Tom and Jerry themselves kind of have that 2.5D look yeah, to them, like exactly. uh, Spider-Verse and Cl- uh, Klaus, Klaus, 
Claus. Klaus. That movie we reviewed last Christmas. Yeah. Uh, that Good one. movie. Go watch Good it. Good movie, yes. Um, it's got kind of that feel to it okay. in terms of the characters, but they do lean kind of heavily on the cell-shaded... Cell-shaded. The, uh, they actually are moving a lot like uh, their more cell-animated counterparts. Agreed. Uh, but, I mean, it's... It does... I, I don't have... Eighth, <laughs> since the first Tom and Jerry movie came out back in the mid '90s, where they right. talked, and every Tom and Jerry thing I have seen clips of mm-hmm. since then has been not up to snuff. Let's just say I, I agree with you. I think in this clip particularly, they didn't talk. <laughs> Thankfully, yeah. Hopefully, they learned that lesson. And admittedly, the the one. The ones I've seen, except for that one movie, they have not talked. Hmm. Except for the the Grey Mouse, but he the Grey Mouse talked in the Hanna Barbera shorts. So. Okay. <laughs> Why don't we jump into our spoiler free review of the movie Porco Rosso? Yeah. So, Jacob, this was your first viewing. Yes, very first viewing. Uh, I had I had heard about this film and had. Had little to no information about it. It was like, oh, it's a Studio Ghibli movie. I think I saw that. I was like, wait, is that a pig as a pilot? Yeah, yeah. I was like, and I was just like, okay, that's kind of weird. And so in this for this viewing, I was like, wow. Mm-hmm. And just there, there's so much. Be like, if you for what I want to say, it's going to be spoilerific. Yes. So, it's an amazing film. It's very well done, animation-wise, story-wise. Uh, I have a few problems with it, but other than that, it's a really good film. What about you, Drew? My first viewing of any Studio Ghibli film happened way back when uh, we I was still getting discs from Netflix. Oh. And I had... I had seen, of course, I, I've talked about how when we, on the Nausicaa review, how I saw it on Cartoon Network mm-hmm. late one night, and I thought, this is really weird, and then there was kind of a break between there, and then I went on one day looking for stuff to put in my Netflix disc queue, and I put in, thing, I put in along with, I, I just put in a bunch of stuff they had on there, Spirited Away, uh, Princess Mononoke, mm-hmm. and this movie. And this movie I knew nothing about. I had yeah. heard, uh, I, I, of course, I had heard all the, you know, the Academy Awards stuff about Spirited Away, how it was a classic. Yeah. Uh, another podcast that I don't think exists anymore that I was listening to at the time called Princess Mononoke, Ghibli's Disney Princess movie, mm. which I have disagreements with. Right. <laughs> and, but this one happened to come in between there. And I had just put it on the list because it's like, Oh, it's one. It's it. It's it's about a pig flying a, a seaplane. That could be fun. Let's just throw that in there. Yeah. I don't know what else to pick. I'm just picking stuff that's got the word Miyazaki on it. Mm-hmm. And so, and that one happened to where it landed on the queue happened to be between Spirited Away and Princess Mononoke. Which, right. when we get to those two movies, I'll talk more about. Okay, but I will say this movie is what sold me on Miyazaki as a director. Okay. And as a storyteller. 
because this movie is still one of my favorites. It's a great movie. The flying scenes are phenomenal. For that alone, you need to watch this film. Agreed. If you have any animation... If you have enough thought about animation to listen to this podcast, and you have not seen Porco Rosso, go do so. I will highly suggest that. You can turn me off now, watch this movie, and come back, and you will be thankful. Yeah, Because I'm about to go... I'm about to nerd out here in a couple minutes. Um... I would expect no nothing else. Exactly. It's just a fun movie. The stories... Uh, I remember when the first time I watched it, I thought the story was a little weak. But uh, the more I've watched it, the more it's like, you know what? This is a great story. Right. It's not meant to be a deep story. It's just a fun little story that happens to involve uh, Italian fascists. Yeah. At one point. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's my thoughts on... Uh, on this movie. Alright. So shall we jump into the full spoiler filled review after the CGC bumper? Yep. Alright, let's do so. Ray! Okay. Risk Progress is a part of Christian Reek Central Network. Hey, Scoop, what are you doing, man? I don't know, I'm supposed to be reading an ad. All right, hold on. Give me, give me it. Okay. <laughs> All right. This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. There you can find a collection of blogs and podcasts working together to bring you some of the best content on the web for Christian geeks, such as the Christian Geek Central Podcast, the flagship of the Christian Geek Central Network, the CGC Podcast, previously known as the Spirit Played underground podcast is a weekly 30 to 60 minute biblical examination and celebration of geek entertainment and passions it features reviews interviews and conversations about movies tabletop games video games books comics tv shows and a widening variety of other entertainment also included is a chapter by chapter examination of the bible and its specific application for geeks Hosted by Peter Franson of Spirit Blade Productions, the show also features listener-submitted content and segments created by other members of the CGC Network. The following is a spoiler-filled review for the movie Porco Rosso. Listener discretion is advised. Porco Rosso was written and directed and based on the manga by Hayao Miyazaki, and the music was by Joe Hisashi. Cast. Marco Pago, a.k.a. Porco Rosso, was played by Michael Keaton. Yes. He is, of course, Batman in Batman and Batman Returns. Returns. Sorry. Uh, He was also Adrian Toomes and the Vulture in Spider-Man Homecoming. Yes. He was also Beetlejuice in Beetlejuice. Yes. And among and many other things. Donald Curtis was played by Carrie Elways. He is Wesley in The Princess Bride and Robin Hood in Robin Hood Men in Tights. And I was also reminded last night by a friend of the show, (coughs) Joseph Hamrick, that he plays one of the villains in uh, the TV show Psych. I I didn't didn't know this. I did not think to look this up. Hmm. Anyway. Theo Piccolo was played by Kimberly Williams Paisley. Mm-hmm. 
She played Annie Banks in Father of the Bride and Renee Adler in The Flash. As in The Flash your t-shirt is from. Yes. Gina was played by Susan Egan. She played Meg in Hercules. Mm -hmm. And Lynn in Spirited Away. Ah, okay. Mr. Piccolo was played by David Ogden Steers. He was Cogsworth in Beauty and the Beast and Jumba in Lilo and Stitch. Also, you're you're kind of forgetting one major television show he was a part of. So iconic, could be like everyone knows about it, and that is Mash, where and he played. He played. Can you give me the name? <laughs> and there goes <laughs> Major Charles Winchester. Is Thank what it you. says on IMDb. <laughs> there goes the entire thing. <laughs> Capo leader of the Mama Alito Pirates, mm -hmm. was played by Brad Garrett, mm -hmm. most mostly known for playing Robert Barone on Everybody Loves Raymond, and Eeyore in Christopher Robin. That's right, yeah. He was the perfect person for Eeyore, in yeah, my opinion. Exactly. Um, the rest of the Mama Alito gang was played by Bill Fagerbache, who is mostly known for playing Patrick Starr in SpongeBob SquarePants, and both Broadway and Hollywood in Gargoyles. Huh. Kevin Michael Richardson, who was Gontu in Lilo and Stitch, mm. and Panthro in Thundercats 2011. Exactly. Our good friend Frank Welker, uh -huh. who was Ralph the Guard in Animaniacs, and Garfield in The Garfield Show. True. That was the two I decided for that one. Okay. Roger Bumpus, who played Squidward in SpongeBob SquarePants, and Dr. Light in Teen Titans. And this did not update. Ferrari was played by Tom Kenny, mm -hmm. who uh, is mostly known for playing SpongeBob SquarePants. So apparently we got the whole cast except for uh, Mr. Krabs here on this one. Uh. <laughs> uh, getting into our Kingdom Hearts connections. Oh boy. Starting off with the big one, Frank Welker, who was, of course, one of the members of the Mama Lito gang. Uh, he played uh, Abu and Experiment 221 Sparky in Kingdom Hearts. Tress McNeil, who was uh, just a voice in, in this one. Okay. Uh, she was Daisy Duck, Queen of Hearts, Chip, Kanga, and Meriwether in Kingdom Hearts. Kevin Michael Richardson, uh, all in Kingdom Hearts was also Sebastian, Gontu, and Blackguard A. Uh, D. Bradley Baker, who was a voice in this one in this movie, uh, played Waka in Kingdom Hearts. Mm -hmm. Jeff Bennett, who was also just a voice in in this movie, was the mayor of Halloween Town. Mister Smee, Beryl, Merlin, Lumiere, Bashful, Large Beagle Boy, and Small Beagle Boy, and Geppetto in Kingdom Hearts. Corey Burton, he was a the captain in this movie. He played Captain Hook, the White Rabbit, the Doorknob, Flotsam, Jetsam, Dale, Diz, the MCP, Santa Claus, Sark, Shan Yu, the Peddler, Yen Sid, Ansem the Wise, Magic Mirror, Grumpy, Claude Frollo, and Zeus in wow. Kingdom Hearts. Bill Farmer was just a voice, but he is, of course, known for playing Goofy, for the last 30, 40 years, mm -hmm. including Kingdom Hearts. Plus, he was also Horace Horsecaller and Sleepy. Mm -hmm. 
Bradley Pierce, who played the gas boy in this movie, was additional voices in Kingdom Hearts. Susan Egan reprised her role as Meg in near every appear every one of her appearances in Kingdom Hearts. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Ogden Stars uh, reprised his role as Cogsworth doc- and played Doctor Jumba, Jakiba, and Doc in Kingdom Hearts. Mm-hmm. Brian George, who was just a voice in this one, played Captain Hector Barbosa in Kingdom Hearts. Tom Kenny, who I mentioned was Ferrari earlier, he played Rabbit in Kingdom Hearts. And in the Japanese cast, uh, Asio Atsuka played Donorudo Kachisu, Donald Curtis. Okay. He was uh, Ansem, Xehanort, Terra Xehanort, and Master Xehanort in Kingdom Hearts. Shuchiro Moriyama, who played Kurenai Nobuta, the Japanese name for Porco Rosso. Uh, he played both Flotsam and Jetsam in Kingdom Hearts. Mm-hmm. Yu Shimaka, who was a Mama Alito gang member in this movie, played Goofy in Kingdom Hearts. Okay. So we got both Goofies in this movie. Oh, wow. Uh, and Mahito Sujimura, who was just a voice in Porco Rosso, played Gopher. Okay. Well, I did want to mention, did you bring up Rob Paulson was in this film? I did notice he was in the film. I don't think I'm. I think he was just a voice. Though, yeah, he was. He was a. He was, a sing, he was the. Uh, I think he was one of the pilots. Probably. He There's was a, a lot of them. Yeah. Well, he was the pilot that took. I, I admittedly, the, I the extras. Yeah. I tend. I did not include. I. Yeah. I tend not to include extras. Okay. Yeah, I just wanted to bring up Rob Paulson was in this film because Rob Paulson is. Everybody. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So thought I'd bring him up. Either way. Info and stuff. All right. So info and stuff. All right. So if you are a subscription, if you have a subscription to HBO Max, you have been able to watch this. Watch this currently. Uh, if you wanted to stream it, you can buy it on Amazon Prime for ten ninety nine and uh, Voodoo. Voodoo. Voodoo is still a thing. In yeah. fact, Walmart's selling it. Yeah. Voodoo. Yeah. Voodoo. They sold it to somebody, I think. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. For some reason, I've been like voodoo, like Jason Voorhees. For some reason, no. I was like, nope, different thing. Voodoo yeah. is in voodoo. Yeah, voodoo, voodoo. You can you can buy it for eleven ninety nine. So for IMDb, it has a seven point seven out of ten, and on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a score of ninety seven, and its audience score is eighty seven. Okay. All right. So production company obviously was Studio Ghibli. Mm-hmm. Distribution was Toy Toyhei. Uh, its first original American release was um, was Disney. Well, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, one thing I did notice mm-hmm. is I think this is the first of these movies in which Disney Japan was part of the production committee. Yes, the original production committee for yes. the film. So yes, uh, apparently there was a there was a a dub before the Disney dub. Yes, a number of the Miyazaki films prior to uh, the release of Spirited Away had English dubs that were okay. Okay. I think most of them were done by Streamline, because Streamline did a lot of stuff back then. Yeah. All right, so 
it was distributed first here in the States by, by the Walt Disney Company. Mm-hmm. And then it was more recently acquired by G-Kids. Mm-hmm. Which when they the, acquired all of Disney's Studio Ghibli library. Yes. Uh, okay, so it was first released in Japan in July, July 18th, 1993. Mm-hmm. It's first English dub was released on Japanese airline flight in the 1990s. Right. So that would be the first dub. Mm-hmm. All right. So that was very common. Yeah. Very, very common. Like you said before, uh, the Walt Disney studio home entertainment released Porco Rosso on DVD, uh, February 22nd, 2005 and Blu-ray and February, February 3rd, 2015, uh, with a new dub, mm-hmm. obviously with the, uh, cast you, you mentioned before. Uh, G-Kids re-released the film on DVD and Blu-ray November 21st, 2017. All right, so it had a budget of 2.9 million yen. Uh, box office in Japan was estimated at 44.44 million yen. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. All right, so it's U.S. opening weekend. I didn't realize this had a, a, um, a theatrical release. They do sometimes. Oh, okay. this was... This was, I think, when this released over here, it was right in the fervor of Spirited Away being so successful. So yeah, agreed. Disney was releasing a bunch of these back in theaters. Okay. So it had, like, its first weekend uh, release was. Not to mention it still gets, goes into uh, Ghibli Fest by uh, Fathom Events every year. At least it has until this year. Yeah. This year, obvious reason why it hasn't happened. Yeah. Thank you, COVID. Either way, so it's U.S. Weekend. It earned 146.2 thousand dollars. It mm-hmm. grossed over, um, just short of 445 thousand dollars. Now it's worldwide gross wrapped all together was 1.3 million dollars. Mm-hmm. It did pretty good for itself. Yeah, pretty good. It's a good film. Yeah, it's a very good film. So, yeah, that's all I got for info and stuff. All righty. Jumping into the summary. Before I get into the summary, do you know what the name Porcaroso means in English? No, I don't. Crimson Pig. That makes sense. Just throwing that out there. In the 1930s, Porco Rosso, an Italian World War I fighter ace and freelance bounty hunter, fends off an attack on a ferry liner by airborne pirates. Porco treats himself to dinner at the Hotel Adriano, which is run by his friend Gina. At the hotel, the heads of the pirate gangs are contacting are contracting Curtis, an arrogant and ambitious American ace, to assist them in their next attacks. Curtis falls in love with Gina on the spot, but is frustrated to see his declarations rebuffed and her affection for po- and her affections for por- Porco. After sexually executing a pirating mission, Curtis tracks down Porco, who is flying to Milan to have his plane serviced, and shoots him down as he experiences an engine outage, claiming to have killed him. Porco survives, though his plane is heavily damaged. Porco continues the trip by train with the remains of the plane, much to the irritation of Gina, who reminds him that there is a warrant for his arrest in Italy. Porco arrives discreetly in, Mul- in Milan to meet Piccolo, his mechanic. He learns that Piccolo's sons have immigrated to find work elsewhere due to the Great Depression, and much of the engineering will have to be carried out by his young granddaughter, Fio. Porco is initially skeptical of Fio's abilities as a mechanic, but after seeing her dedication in the repair project, he accepts her as a competent engineer. 
Once Porco's plan is finished, Fio joins him on the flight home with the justification that if the secret police arrest the team, they can say that Porco forced them to help and took Fio as a hostage. Stopping off to refuel on the way, Porco discovers that the new fascist government is beginning to hire seaplane pirates for their own use, thus putting him out of business. Back at the Hotel Adriano, Curtis proposes to Gina, but she turns him down, saying that she is waiting for Porco. Upon returning home, Porco and Fio are ambushed by the pirates who threatens to kill Porco and destroy his plane. Fio talks them out of it, but Curtis appears and challenges Porco to a final duel. Fio makes a deal with him, declaring that if Porco wins, Curtis must pay off his debts owed to Piccolo's company, and if Curtis wins, he will marry her. That night, while preparing shells for the dogfight, Porco tells Fio a story from World War I. Two days after Gina's first wedding to his friend Bellini, his squadron was attacked by the Austro-Hungarian aircraft. Overwhelmed and unable to save his fellow pilots, he entered a cloud to evade his pursuers. He recalls blacking out and awakening to find himself in complete stillness above the clouds, with a silver band shimmering high in the distant sky. Allied and enemy aircraft flown by the airmen who died in the dogfight, Bellini included, rise out of the cloud and fly upwards towards the band, ignoring him. Porco soon sees that the band is in fact thousands of planes flying together. He blacks out again and awakens flying low over the sea alone. As she falls asleep, Theo and the viewer briefly see Marco's true face instead of the pig. The next day, the duel is arranged and a large crowd gathers to observe. The indecisive and long dogfight between Porco and Curtis soon devolves into a bare-knuckle boxing match when both planes' machine guns jam and they fight. Porco accuses Curtis of being a womanizer, but Curtis responds that he is worse. Theo adores him, and Gina is only interested in him. This comes as a shock to Porco that Curtis is able to knock him down, uh, knock him down, only for Porco to be saved by a pirate referee signaling the end of the round. The fight ends with both combatants knocking each other out and falling under the shallow water. Gina arrives and calls out to Marco, who first who rises first and is declared the winner. She warns the crowd that the Italian Air Force has been alerted and are on their way, and invites everyone to regroup at her hotel. To Gina's frustration, Porco hands Fio over to Gina, requesting that she look after her, and turns away. Just before Gina's plane takes off, Fio leans out and gives Porco a kiss. As the crowd leaves, Porco volunteers to lead the Air Force away and invites Curtis to join him. Curtis reacts with surprise and asks if Por- asks Porco to turn around, suggesting that, like Fio, he has briefly seen Marco's true face. Fio narrates that in the end, Porco outflies the Italian Air Force and is never hunted by them again. Theo herself becomes president of the Piccolo Company, which is now an aircraft manufacturer. Curtis becomes a famous actor, and the pirates continued to attend the Hotel, Hotel Adriano in their old age. She does not divulge whether Gina's hope about Porco Rosso was ever realized, saying it is their secret. However, a red plane can be seen docked by Gina's garden as the jet flies over the hotel. After the credits, a familiar red seaplane appears soaring in the sky before disappearing into the clouds. Mm. I absolutely love this movie. (laughs) I can tell. (laughs) And I'm going to start off with what... I'm going to start my first like. Well, before you start, squeal away. My first like... (laughs) is not just an opinion it is an absolute fact okay seaplanes are awesome <laughs> they are have you seen ducktails yes not ducktails Duck uh, tailspin tailspin thank yes. you <laughs> uh, that's probably where i first 
fell in love with with seaplanes. Yes. And we get lots of seaplanes in this movie. A lot of them. <laughs> and boy, is the flying animation in this movie awesome. Fantastic. Uh, Especially the, my favorite part is when they're trying to take off going down the canal in Milan. Oh, yes. That is so crazy. Uh-huh. How that goes. And it's done so beautifully well. The dogfight at the end is also good with him and Donald Curtis. Um, the whole thing is spectacular from Agreed. beginning to end. It's just, I can't tell you enough if you just on the flying animation alone. If you've not seen this movie, go see this movie. Agreed. It is that good. Um, what do you got for your first like? My first like. Let me get to my likes. All right. So to start off, fly me to Milan. The flying sequences in this mm-hmm. film are fan freaking fantastic now yeah. granted, i'm not an aviator i am be not like, either it's i'd be like i don't know because i'm understanding avion avionics from the 1930s and that kind of stuff be like a little bit these are wooden structure planes mm-hmm. so covered co- in cloth covered in cloth i'd be like yeah it's got some metal to it obviously but some of the the stunts they're able to do it's like in the back of my mind it's like do, what does that actually work? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so there, there's a part of me I want to get a hold of a, a a pilot and be like, "Hey, watch this movie and see if these what these pilots are doing can actually be done with a plane at that error." But I digress with that. The flying sequences again are spectacular. I'll, I'll put it this way: I don't care if they're actually capable of doing it or not. Yeah. It's still awesome. I agree. I, I think it's just more the mechanic side of my brain. Yeah. This is like, is that actually workable? Plus, I, if I remember correctly, the ma- the manga uh, that this is based on, I believe, was released in a uh, aviation uh, an aviation magazine. Hmm. Is when this was is the magazine this the manga was originally published in. Okay, so, and also- there is some believe I would believe to that degree that he had to write at least somewhat realistically. I agree with you, and also the fact that. The original manga was colored in watercolor. Yes. Which I found, it's like, ooh, that sounds like fun. <laughs> you know, being the artist, it's like, mm-hmm. ooh, I love working with watercolors. I need to look up this manga, because I actually want to read more of this story, if there is more. Yeah. I'm hoping he wrote a bunch of these and just was only able to adapt the one story. Mm. All right, so that is my number one. Uh, the flying in this mm-hmm. movie is incredible. What's your number two? My number two... It's Carrie Elways. Hmm. A, I like Carrie Elways in almost everything yeah, I've seen him in. Yeah, he's a fantastic actor. But also, this is... I, well, he is the antagonist mm-hmm. in this movie, and yeah. I you don't get to see him at play an antagonist that often. No. Uh, Minus in Twister. And in, that, in those episodes of Psych. Yeah. Um, for the most part... Uh... He is just a delight in this movie. He's I would yeah. not call him the villain. Okay. If there's a villain in this movie, it's the it's, it's Benito Mussolini. <laughs> or the Even though he's and the rest of the Italian fascists. Yeah. Except for Ferrari. Gotta yeah. love Ferrari. Yeah. I am curious if this Ferrari is in any way related to the car manufacturer or is supposed to be. Maybe. I don't know. But at well, the same time. Well, Technically, Ferrari started off as an airplane as an airplane manufacturer and then built cars. So yes, that, that but I'm referring fun. to the 
family line. Yes, that's what I'm referring to. I just know the family line more as a car manufacturer. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, this the Carriowas as Donald Curtis. I mean, f- keep in mind this is a British actor. Yes. Playing a Texan. <laughs> For one thing, more they, southern than anything. They say he's from Texas. I'm calling him a Texan. Okay, who's going to go off to California to essentially be Clark Gable? Pretty much, in essence. And he kind of gets that accent down pat. He's he's the type of character you can't wait for him to come back on screen. Agreed. Because he's equal parts cool mm-hmm. and equal parts hilarious. Agreed. He's the antagonist you can't hate exactly because he's just he's really a rival is what it comes down to he shoots porco down because that's the job he was hired to do exactly but for the most part he especially by the end of the movie after the fist fight is like yeah y'all guys are just going to be friends now the rest of your life y'all are y'all are enemies at this point and i just like how it can go that way so yeah yeah carry always as donald curtis is my number two okay my second would be Flo. Fio? Fio, thank you. For some reason, I always want to say Flo, but it's Fio. It looks like Flo, but it is Fio. It is Fio. It is an I, not an L. Yeah, Fio. The 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 way this character is... One, she's tough as nails. The fact that like, she's 17 years old, is builds a plane, mm-hmm. and basically be like, Porco can be like, be like, no, you're not coming along with Michael Keaton with that voice. Like, ah, yes. yes. Uh, you're just expecting him to say, I'm Pigman. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> but, oh, just, uh, Theo is just, like, tough as nails kind of kid. Just like, she, like, when, like, Porco's like, no, you're not coming with me. It's like, no, give me five seconds. Let me change this out. Yes. <laughs> like, her determination is just so... Um, infectious. In it's, the last uh, twelve hours, I've completely redesigned the fuselage to allow me to have an extra seat. Yeah, I apparently think I can squeeze my rather large posterior in next between these guns. But yeah, remove one of the guns. Yeah. It's like, oh, really? Yes. <laughs> and my thought is, did Piccolo reduce the price now that he's got an extra gun he could go sell? <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> He he wants his money. He wants all. Well, admittedly, they were going bankrupt. Yeah, and all his male relatives apparently fled the country. Yeah, so all he's got is his Rosie the Riveters, true, <laughs> including the three old hags. Yes, the three old hags. But oh, Theo is just the the fact that like she when it comes to the bet when it comes to the bet between uh, Curtis and our main protagonist. Mm-hmm. Like, she literally throws herself in the middle of it. It's like, okay. Be like, well, if if Porco loses and then Curtis is like, I'll marry you. It's okay. Fine then. <laughs> yeah. This is like just tough as nails kid. Be like, yeah, I didn't think about it, but mm-hmm. it's the only thing I could do. Yeah. And also, I like the fact that we have more of a, she does give more. Earlier on in the film, we are given more of a. Um, Princess and the Frog, sort of a thing, sort of a thing, and I really enjoy. I really enjoyed that aspect, definitely at the very end, Mm -hmm. because Curtis would be like, "Wait, turn around," and be like, "I want to see your face." (laughs) 
So it's it more on you, that in a minute. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get there when I, we get there. I, I may have a dislike later on. Yeah. But either way, uh, Theo is just like an amazing character. I, mm-hmm. I enjoy the character. With Miyazaki, you always have very strong female yes. characters, very like, protagonist characters that is a very delight to see in a lot of films. It, mm-hmm. It's like, um, like it's so many like much older films. Like women are just the damsel in distress. Well, I mean, we are talking about Miyazaki. He yeah. always writes strong female characters. Agreed, agreed. And that's that's what I that's what I enjoy about Miyazaki because mm-hmm. he has very strong female leads. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's my number two is Fio. My number three is the Mama Lito gang. Oh god, the entire gang. <laughs> But primarily the the leader of the said gang yeah. played by Brad Garrett. Yeah. Come on, guys. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. When I think Brad Garrett, yeah. I think Eeyore. Yeah. Because every character I've ever seen him play has essentially been either Eeyore or that fish from Finding Nemo. Yeah. Because he's that character too. Okay. The big puffer fish. That's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is a little bit outside of his wheelhouse, but his voice fits this so stinking well. Agreed. And you've got the other three gang members that I mentioned earlier. Plus, I think there's like two or three more yeah. that I that are just listed as voices. They are, from the very beginning of this movie until the end, they are present. Yes. And they are just hilarious. Agreed. The entire Completely time. Agreed. My favorite part, uh, my favorite part is, after, is when they've gotten their plane fixed and they haven't had time to paint it paint oh, the yes. towel yet <laughs> this is man, so embarrassing I, man i can't believe we have to get, uh, go talk to these guys you couldn't afford the same freaking paint job <laughs> and it's literally front half of the plane's camouflaged back half it's silver, silver. <laughs> it's like that's gonna work great for you guys that'll work great <laughs> that'll just that'll, uh, that that won't even shine in the sunlight no no no, no, no worries at all. no worries but the the entire time, every time you see them on screen, it's especially when he's my favorite line of his is at the end during the dog fight. Yeah, he is essentially playing host. To yes. This bet. Oh my gosh! And and, uh, all, and all the pirates are in love with. Theo. Oh yes, uh, Porco and and Donald uh, are starting to come in for the landing after the after the planes jam. Yes, and she Theo runs off, like and Theo he's does. and he goes. Theo, wait! You can't run off. You're a bet. You you can't leave the stage. <laughs> As he tries to grab the money and run after her, <laughs> bets can't run off. <laughs> uh, the whole thing is just like I said. He that whole gang is just so, is he, I, the other characters I can't wait to see on screen. Yeah. It's why I have to say the fascists are the only villains in this movie because everybody else, while they're antagonists and they're rivals and they're villainous in their own ways, they are not Porco Rosso's enemies nine-tenths of the time. That is true. There might be a more of a nuisance. Yes. Also, I liked there at the beginning where uh, all the people on the ship are trying to point Porco to go this way and Porco goes the other way. He goes... Yeah, I know these Mama Lito guys. They they'll fly just right over the ridge and then get on a boat and go this other way just to save money <laughs> on fuel. It's like that is funny. That is also yes. all the little kids that oh they get tried to kidnap. <laughs> oh, good and night. they are 
Little kids. They're little kids, and they are actually, they are not helping the pirates no, at all. Not. It's like getting into everything. And My favorite part is about that. You know, the one of the Alito gang has allowed the, those two kids to come up into his spot at the top while he's trying to shoot. Oh, he goes, yeah. oh man, you can't hit the broad side of a barn. Look, there's Porco. He's coming right for us. Hey, Mr. Porco. <laughs> Oh, yes. uh, the yes. movie starts off like that and it you're does. like oh we're in for a good time so yeah that's my third like is the mama lito gang what is your third oh, like gosh oh gosh wow um well my my thought was the animation in this film it's, it's like every other studio ghibli mm-hmm. miyazaki film it's so well done the uh the the fact that you like the backgrounds look like they're done watercolor. Yeah. So give me arcing back to the original manga. The fact that Miyazaki did the original manga, so he has more investment. He you know puts more energy and time in the film, mm-hmm. especially since he wrote it and and wrote the manga. So yeah, yeah. this was very much a passion project for him. Oh yeah, and you you can tell, but like just the way. Uh, be like obviously because how Miyazaki characters laugh—they're big and huge. Mm-hmm. You can see their teeth, and uh, just the the expressions. Unlike with uh, only yesterday, yeah, we we had the more like more realistic laugh, and realistic. it was more subdued. Yeah, it was a lot more subdued. This is more very over animated, mm-hmm. very. Um, more of what you think of when you think Miyazaki. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 a uh, tour de force, tour de force mm-hmm. when it comes to this animation. And uh, I would have like to add like the story is just very well done. Like just be like this beat by beat by beat by beat. It's just so incredibly well done and well executed. Mm-hmm. Now, Grant, I do have a problem with the story and we'll get there when we get into the slice. But Fair enough. That's, Fair enough. That's, that's, my, that's my number three. Well, then let's jump into our dislikes. Okay. My first dislike, I will admit, is a nitpick. Okay. Why is Porco a pig? <laughs> we get one line that talks about a curse. Yeah. And that some witch turned uh, cursed him so he'd be a pig, I guess, like all men probably sneakily are, especially when they're womanizers. Yeah. That's the closest thing we get to an idea as to why he's a pig. Yeah. And admittedly, the quote-unquote two times he regains his human form, even for a short amount of time, it's when he's at his noblest. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm still going, why is he a pig? And the fact that he's a pig is not important to the story whatsoever. Agreed. (laughs) So yeah, he's the crimson pig. He's a He could just be a guy with a pig face for no reason, and it would make as much sense. Yeah. Why is him being a pig important? Just to give it that Ghibli factor? I guess so. I guess. I don't know. I don't know why he's a pig. Uh, it doesn't really matter that he's a pig, but they went to a lot of trouble to make him look like a... Have a to have a pig head. So, if you're going to include a detail like that, I want at least a little more something. Yeah. Tell that story somewhere in there. Like, yeah. maybe to ex- explain why he's actually got a pig head. They never go into that explanation. Yeah. Other than just one or two lines, at mm-hmm. least in the English version. I don't know how it's done in the Japanese version. But, yeah, it's just... 
Yeah, it's a thing that happens. He's a pig. It's like, deal with it. It's like, okay. <laughs> so, what's your first dislike? Well, technically, be like, I'm going to jump, jump into my third because that's exactly the same ah. same one. Uh, is the fact to be like we're never really given a full story, a full explanation of why Porco is a pig, right? Like we're given more, like you said, two three lines here and there. It's why I think there must be the manga must go on longer. Yeah, that's than what, what the movie shows. Yeah, that's that's the only assumption I could give, and maybe the fact that like when. He goes up into the clouds and he sees all his friends ascending to the mm-hmm. heavens and he comes back down. I'm assuming that's when he transforms into a pig. Well, I, I presume in those one or two lines, they mention a witch turned is what turned him into a pig yeah. and that's a curse. But the, and it's a, alluded to that he, it, he's a pig because he's a womanizer. Yeah. But they never actually talk about it. Yeah. There's no full explanation why. And I would yeah. love to hear that explanation. Alright, so that is my number three. What is your number two? My number two dislike of this film. It's short. <laughs> and I don't Agreed. mean short in terms of length. Because the right. length's about even with everything else. Right. I want more of the story. Agreed. I, there's, there's so many characters they bring in that feel like they're much more important characters than we actually get to see. and Because they only have maybe three or four lines. There's yeah. Plot lines introduced that they never go on. It's just like, oh yeah, this is happening, so we have the excuse to go do this other thing. It's like, show me more. Show mm-hmm. me something. I want more of what this world. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know it's focusing on this one story that I think is. Uh, I need to stop looking at chat while we're talking because <laughs> <laughs> I just lost my place. <laughs> I just want more of the show. I just okay. want more of the movie. I want more explanation. I want more. I want a sequel. Okay. Is what it comes down to. Because I get the feeling that all this is is an adaption of maybe the first story or maybe a middle story or maybe yeah. even the last story. And that there's other stories that came before this we don't know. Right. And I want more. Okay. I just want more. That's a good dislike to have, I think. Okay. Yeah, I agree with you. But yeah. All right, so my number one dislike, uh, they overkilled it with the pig jokes. <laughs> they overkilled it with the pig jokes. <laughs> it's like, I'm a pig. You're a pig. You're a big pig, too. Oi! So I'm just like... <laughs> it's like, I'm a pig. I'll leave you humans to deal with that. Yeah. It's like, okay, I'll be, I understand he's a pig. Mm-hmm. Or he's a human has been transformed into a pig. Like, we don't have to keep bringing up every sentence that he's a pig. We get it. He's a pig. And I used to be like, if you're Porco or Marco's situation, mm-hmm. like, yeah, be like, you're kind of, you know, you're setting your ways. You're a pig. Yeah. But, um, like, why do we have to keep iterating he's a pig? Like, everybody's like, oh, he's a pig. We can see this. Move on a little bit here. <laughs> Maybe explain why he's a pig. Yeah, exactly. Give us more explanation. <laughs> Maybe a flashback. Maybe the point where maybe a beautiful transition where he goes from human to pig. I don't know. That would have been interesting to that see. That would have seen. Very interesting. But, anyway. but either way, that is my number one dislike. What is your number three? Three. I'm on number three. And my number three dislike 
do I have a three dislike is the question. Because mm. this is a very good movie. Agreed. Um, I guess my number three dislike is that this movie does feel like it's a little on fast forward in parts. Mm. Uh, at the beginning of the movie, he's bounty hunting off these pirates. By the end of it, the fascists have taken over. Yeah. And the reason the fa- the bounty hunters aren't attacking things anymore is because they're being paid by the fascists to go do other things. Yeah. Except I they're still going to attack Porco because Porco pissed him off. Yeah. And he's still alive. Yeah. And I'm still sitting there going, so are y'all working for Mussolini? For the fascists? For Italy? Or are you not? Because they say the the fascists are paying the pirates and the bounty hunters for different things. Right. To do jobs for them. But at the same time, it's like, but are these guys not? Hmm. Are these the losers that the fascists wouldn't talk to? <laughs> I what, what is the deal with these guys? Why are they the ones who feel like... I understand everyone's going to run when they realize the cops are coming. Right. Which is essentially what happened there at the end. But because even if you're not guilty, yeah, you're um, you're dealing with an illegal uh, dog fighting thing, thing. Technically, yeah, it's dog fighting, plain dog fighting, not dog dog fighting. But still, uh, yeah, it's just and the fact that it ends without what I feel is a true resolution. Yeah. I'm not saying it's hinted at that maybe yeah. he has regained his human form. Yeah, that's a lot. And I prefer to say that that last kiss mm-hmm. kind of did yeah. make him permanently regain his human form. But it's not shown. We don't even get to see his face after the fight. Yeah. I think we get to see um, like, like the smallest the small of- bit, but it's the same bit. You could, It's the bit that barely changes between pig and human anyway. Yeah. Um, and the only glimpse we get is of, uh, whether he and Gina got together is, oh, well, that's their secret. Yeah. Well, that kind of does give away the secret, but at least show me a guy in a, in, in Porco Rosso's suit Mm -hmm. walking down that garden path. Yeah. Show me that. You don't have to show me Porco himself. Show me a guy who might be Porco and I will live. Yeah. But it just, it just kind of, well, this is what happened. This is all I really know. And, you know, it's not, it's not for me to give away what happened between these two lovers, mm-hmm. these two star-crossed lovers. It's not, and it's like, you know, fine. But, yeah, it's just, it is what it is. It kind of just ends. It does. And I want more, like I said earlier. <laughs> so, yeah. What's your last dislike? My pet. I forgot what number you're on. Uh, dos. You're on two. I'm going to do. Uh, my final dislike, which is my number two, would be not to say the story is simplified, mm-hmm. but rather you can see what's coming very early on, what's going to happen. Yeah, very early on. For my my first viewing, it's okay. We get Porco. Okay, he's a pig. We don't understand why he's a pig. But then we meet Theo for the first time. It's like, okay, he's the she's the love interest. And oh, we get Actually, this. My my first thought when I first saw this was, oh look, it's the standard Ghibli uh Yeah, exactly. Ma- fem- 
strong female lead that's in every Studio Ghibli film. Exactly. <laughs> What's new? This is just this is just the the fingerprint. We had we couldn't just focus on Porco himself. We had to have a female lead that yeah. can put Porco in his place. And don't get me wrong, I love the character for it. But oh, yeah. you do kind of get the feeling it's like, yep. I know who you are. You're yep. that archetype. Yep. And there's a there's a lot of the same archetypes that go through a, a Ghibli film. And this is very much the, I wouldn't say cookie cutter because it's that good of a cookie cutter of a film, but you have all these, all the same hallmarks of a, uh, of a Ghibli film. And like, you, I'd be like when, like when they're at the base camp and they start mm-hmm. talking about the, uh, the, the princess and the frog, it's like, okay, this is going to happen. Yeah. Or the, the dog fight. Be like, you, obviously Porco's not going to, not going to lose or he's not going to, you know, die or obviously, but, the the formula is still there, so you just know beat by beat by beat. You know for not for certain, but you know how the story is going to end for the most part. Mm-hmm. So there's really no change in dynamics, right? Like you get the strong female lead, you get the flying, you get the the references to pigs, mm-hmm. uh, and you get children in the film, um, in which <laughs> the little girls and the children are just yes, they hilarious. are hilarious. They are hilarious. Uh, so it's not, there's nothing really, there's nothing new to the story of definitely the, the, stu- the, the Ghibli, you know, archetype of mm-hmm. uh, storytelling. It's still the exact same thing, just told a slightly different, but it's that same story beat by beat by beat, just retold slightly. Okay. But there again, it's still an amazing story. Mm-hmm. It's just like, okay, I, I can, I can win. You meet this character. Okay, they're going to do this. This character. They're going to do this. Be like, nothing really surprised you in it. Yeah. It's like, okay, this coming, this coming, this coming, this coming. Boom. Well, I would no, also... No, nothing really surprised me right. in this film. I would also say, though, that this story really didn't need anything that deep. I agree. I wish it did, but it didn't. Right. Uh, before we jump into our ratings, I want to read this that Chase Murphy just posted okay. in our chat. Miyazaki was great at minimalistic storytelling. Agreed. He was great at hinting rather than telling. Sure. And yes, the ending is not as satisfying because it does not wrap everything up. But then again, in real life, things aren't neatly wrapped up. Agreed. That's very true. That's very true. So on that note, let's jump into our ratings. I'm giving this movie a nine. Okay. It's just a fun movie that I enjoy watching. It's the kind of thing I could... It's the kind of movie I can see myself... Laid out on the floor with a bag of popcorn mm-hmm. and a and a Coke, just laughing my butt off the oh, whole great. time. Because I nearly did that. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's just a fun, fun movie. So, yeah. Okay. Nine. Okay, so I will give it an 8.5 mm-hmm. uh, for the fact that like, this is my first time viewing the film. And I guarantee, I guarantee uh, my next viewing, which there will be a next re- biggest viewing. Because uh, I will probably want to buy in this film because I enjoyed yes. it so much. Uh, probably that that score will change. It'll probably go to a nine at some point mm-hmm. later on. But for my first viewing, it's an eight point eight point five um, because there there are little things here and there that kind of bother me. The fact that we don't get a real resolution to why Porco is a pig, right? Uh, and little things here and there. But other than that, it's a thoroughly enjoyable film. Giving it an eight point five is no slam against the movie. It's just it's my first viewing in the film, and I don't want to just 
you know, gloat and gush about something mm-hmm. that I've only seen once. Right. And so I'll gloat and gush whenever I watch the film three or four times. But, True. So 8.5. Uh, just judging by our guests in chat, Josh Adams rated it eight GGs out of 10. Okay. Good I think one. you're a little on that GG kick, Josh. <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> and Chase Murphy says, 10 out of 10. It's a masterpiece. Agreed. It is a masterpiece. Yeah. So, yeah. That brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Cellcast. Which means we've got to introduce next week's movie. Thank you. Next week's movie does not have an English voice cast. So, my Apologies, it's all once good. again. It's all good. But this movie we're going to be reviewing is Ocean Waves. Uh, it is a Studio Ghibli film. It looks like it was directed by Tomomi Mochizuki. And it is the only Studio Ghibli film that was released uh, directly to television. It was a made-for-TV movie, essentially. Oh, okay. So I actually almost did not see this one when I was uh, picking out movies this year and nearly put on their... Uh, the next theatrical one so yeah we're gonna try that one next week and uh see if we enjoy it all right so yeah come jacob we must prepare for next week prepare for what drew same thing we do every week jacob record a podcast oh boy so where can they find you jacob they can find me on facebook at jacob heron and jacob's daily art corner my personal art facebook page on twitter at jacob b heron on instagram at jacob heron and on Letterbox at Jacob Heron. Where can they find you, Drew? Uh, you can find me on Facebook at Drew Dodgen. You can also find my Facebook page at Drew's Photo Bin, where I upload uh, my photography. You can also follow me on Letterbox at GGeorge759 and Twitter at GGeorge759. Where can they find us, Jacob? You can also visit our website, thecellcast.podbean.com, where you will find every episode we released and links to listen to it on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. Our RSS feed, if we aren't in your favorite podcast app directory, please share, review, and subscribe to us there and share us with your friends. You will also find a link to our Facebook group, the Double Feature Podcast Community, where we talk about both animated and live-action movies. We share this with our other podcasts, which we do with Jacob's brother Jim, at uh, the Movie of the Week podcast, where we talk about live-action movies. You can also email us at thecellcastpodcasts at gmail.com. Also, please like our page on Facebook. We try to post about upcoming movies. If you comment on that movie's post before we record, we'll read your comments in the episode. And remember, every time we say The Cellcast, that is with a single L. L.